Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandy. Today is our last day to take a look at Mary and Martha and talk about them and the, and the resurrection of Lazarus. We're gonna find out today how that Mary bounced back, became a great worshiper of Jesus Christ and even left a memorial that's still with us today. 2000 years later, she worshiped at Jesus' feet. The cost of worship and the rewards of worship. We'll take that up, join me. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and something to take notes with and study the Word of God with Pastor Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome back to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Good to have you here today. Today is the last that we've been talking about with Mary and Martha. This is number four. And uh, we're gonna be wrapping this up. I simply, again, been comparing Mary and Martha together. And the one that was a big catalyst in their life was their brother Lazarus, who had died. And we took that up yesterday as we talk about the death of Lazarus and Jesus raising him from the dead. To review on this simply is Martha was a server. And there's nothing wrong with being a server because many in the body of Christ are called to be servers and never even leave that. Serving is usually a place you begin with the deacon's ministry and you start going up. But when that is your life and really you're doing it to compensate for things that are wrong in your life, only the word of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit and a, and a good worship relationship with God can change that. But when you use your serving to try to please people and get people to compliment you and you're living for their compliments, this is what Mary went through. Mary was failing all the time. She had a this image of herself and something was wrong inside of her. And she overcompensated for everything by working and she wanted people to praise her. She looked forward to the compliments of people for her cooking and all the different things that she did. And so she constantly failed, but she was jealous of her sister, Mary who had the proper attitude and not that Mary didn't help her serve or help her at other times. But when Jesus came into the room, she went straight to his feet and began to worship at his feet and listen to the word of God he taught. She learned from him. And so, but we saw both of them fail. What am I simply saying? I don't care how close to God you are. You're probably going to fail at one time or another, but a person that's close to God knows how to get back up. We all get knocked down at times. We're knocked down, but I like this. We're knocked down, but never knocked out. And so, it, but Martha, she'd been knocked down at one time and stayed down there. And she just lived this life of constantly wondering what people thought about her, living for herself. Martha lived for herself. Even though she served, it was still for herself. She wanted people to, to compliment her. She didn't live for the, giving them a good food. She lived for them complimenting her. That's what she was living for. So she overcompensated. But Mary, on the other hand, was very well, uh, I mean, she, she her life was great. And uh, she was very much at ease with herself, knew her strengths, knew her weaknesses and didn't care. She looked to Jesus and Jesus and worshiping him and understanding the word that he taught helped her to remedy those things in her life that were weaknesses and she became stronger. But in the last case that we talked about yesterday, when their brother died, Mary and Martha both fell apart. But we're going to find out today that Mary was great for this reason. She rebounded back. She got back up. She was knocked down, but she got back up. Martha stayed knocked down all the time. She constantly wanted to pull people down to her level, and she lived for their compliments. She lived for what they had to say and didn't really care much about what Jesus had to say. In Matthew chapter 26, I want you to take a look with me. We're going to read three different accounts of what I'm about to tell you about. And this is the case where Mary came up and took the ointment and, and put it on Jesus' feet. There are things about this where people say, well, this wasn't the same Mary. I think it was. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I look at this because the stories are so much the same. It's just three different viewpoints of what happened with Mary when Jesus came back to their house after the raising up 
of Lazarus from the dead. So in Matthew 26, take a look with me at verses 6 through 13. We are now about two weeks out or even less than that before Jesus is arrested and taken to the cross. This is the last days of Jesus' public ministry. And in verse six of chapter 26, it says, now when Jesus was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, a woman came up to him with an alabaster flask, a very expensive ointment, and she poured it on his head and reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant saying, why this waste? For this could have been sold for a large sum and given to the poor. But Jesus aware of this said to them, why do you trouble this woman? For she's done a beautiful thing to me. For you have the poor with you always, but you don't always have me. Stop there for just a moment. For those who think that Jesus was poor, this verse doesn't prove he was poor. In fact, it said, Jesus said, the poor you have with you always, but me, you don't. What was he saying? I'm not the poor. Now, I don't believe Jesus was flagrantly wealthy. I mean, it was money hanging out everywhere, all that, but yet he dressed nice. He act, I mean, he lived nice. He had a house he lived in. And so again, the clothes he wore, listen, if they were going to, if you're going to get crucified today, would they gamble for your clothing? They did with Jesus. Most everybody else, they just took the clothing and threw it away. Jesus was so nice that they actually stood there and said, probably they began, I want that. No, I want that. So they had to gamble to see who was going to get it. And again, this was because Jesus again had finances. He had so much finances, he gave money to the poor. Poor people don't give money to the poor. Jesus had a bag with him. He had an accountant that traveled with him. And he had these 12 disciples who left lucrative positions. And they were fishermen. They were tax collectors. And now they're traveling with Jesus. And in this verse of scripture, it simply, I want you to notice, Jesus said, the poor you have with you always, but not me, meaning I'm not the poor. So again, we find out here in this verse of scripture, Jesus did, was not a man that walked in poverty, nor did he preach poverty. And so we have here in the verse, verse 12, in pouring this ointment on my body, she has done it to prepare me for burial. Truly I say to you, wherever this gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Now, the one he was talking to here was of Mary, the, the sister of Martha and the sister also of Lazarus who had died. Uh, not only did she pour it on his hair and on his hand and on and his body, but she was again going to pour it on his feet. And so this is what happened. Let's read this same story again from Mark chapter 14. And they're in Bethany. And again, they're there at the house of Simon the leper. It's told here again, but apparently they weren't at the house where uh, Martha was and, and Mary was and and uh, Lazarus raised from the dead. So here we have it again in this house. And it says in verse three, and while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment, a pure nard and very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. And there were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like this? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii. This is over one year's salary. You think of what you make in a year. That's how much this one flask of ointment cost. It said that money could have been given to the poor and they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She's done a beautiful thing to me for you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good to them, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. Let's go to the story that we've been with and let's take a look at it again and let's name it this time. And so in John chapter 12, 
Let's take a look at verses one through nine. And here we have the story again. We're gonna find out this was the same Mary, the Mary we've been talking about before. Only this time they have come to the house of Simon the leper because this was probably a larger house where they could all meet. And so they're there. And so notice what happened. We come to the same place, Bethany, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was. The reason why the crowd was there was because Lazarus was there. Probably a larger house than Mary and Martha had and Lazarus had. But again, the people wanted to see and Jesus returned back there again. It said, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. And there they gave a dinner for him and Martha served. Well, we have, Martha hasn't changed at all. Jesus rebuked her the first time for serving. And basically, if you think I should have done things different, why don't you, Martha, have the food prepared ahead of time to where when I come, you can sit at my feet also right next to your sister Mary. And by the way, Martha, I have two feet. You can have one and Mary can have the other. And so again, but she didn't do it. She just kept, she was right back to what she did. And there they gave a dinner for him there and Martha served. But Lazarus was one of those who reclined with him at the table. Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure spikenard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Here's the one that led and the one that speaks out again because the people thought this and Judas thought the same thing too, but he's the first one to to cry out. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, he was the one who would betray him said, why was this ointment not sold for 300 pennies and given to the poor? Here we have the same amount of money and the same thing being said, this was Mary. He said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief and having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Jesus said, leave her alone so that she may keep it for the day of my burial. The poor you have with you always, but not always you have me. When the large crowd of the Jews learned that Jesus was there, they came and on account of him, but also saw to see Lazarus who had been raised from the dead. Here's the beauty of it. The people came to see Lazarus raised from the dead had now become believers. His resurrection from the dead had caused them to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And now not only was he there, Lazarus was there, but also Jesus was there. But I want you to notice something. Who drew the bigger crowd, Jesus or Lazarus? Lazarus drew the bigger crowd. They had to come around and they talked and talked and talked with him. And again, like I said, they probably start asking him about what he saw when he was, you know, in paradise and he was there in Abraham's bosom. And then you were there for four days. You were gone four days here, there for four days. Uh, who did you see? Who did you talk to? What was it like? And how often have we ever talked about someone? And there's been so many stories here in life, especially in the past numbers of years, of people who have died and come back from the dead and described heaven. And people want to know about those things. Why? Because the Bible might tell us some things, but they're pretty broad strokes and we want to know specifics. And of course, we may or may not always know specifics and we can't always tell if the person's telling the truth, but who cares? One day we will be in heaven and we will see it for ourselves. But here Lazarus had been over there in Abraham's bosom, come back, came out of the grave. And through that miracle, the Bible says many believed on him. This is the purpose of signs and wonders and miracles is to bring people into the kingdom of God. God. Jesus introduced his ministry to get them saved by doing signs and wonders and healings. And the Bible says, because he healed, it says many believed on him. Other times, because he preached, it said many believed on him. And again, we come back to it. The purpose of miracle signs, wonders, and healings is to bring people into the kingdom of God. It's not just to alleviate your suffering. No, that's fine. It's not just the fact to say I was had cancer and now I've been healed and you know it's all gone. 
That's a wonderful thing to say, but the point of it is, is so that people who don't know Jesus can look at what has happened and understand if God can heal in something that is literally cannot be healed and there is no uh, change for it, there is no remedy for it in this earth, and God can heal that, then apparently he's able to take away sin. This is brought out in Matthew chapter nine and verse six, where Jesus was gonna heal a man. And he said to all those that were there, he said, he said, so that you will believe that I can remove sin, I say to this man, arise, take up your bed and walk. Outward healing is our physical sign, something we can see with our eyes. It is something physical for our natural senses to see to where we can understand if God can heal the outside, he can change the inside. And Jesus died for both at the same time. Not only did he take our infirmities and bore our sicknesses, but he also took our sins. And who forgives all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases are connected together. The beauty of it is, is healing is only temporary for as long as we live, but the eternal life that can come because we see that is eternal and Jesus did this. So when we come back after the break, we're gonna talk about the ones that were attending. At this time, Jesus was there. Lazarus was there, Martha was there, and there was a crowd that was there also. Mary was there also, and we're gonna find out she was the true celebrity, not Jesus Christ. I'll see you as soon as we come back from the break. At some point, every Christian will face opposition and heartache, trials and tribulations, failures and falls. But if we follow after God's word, these things will never produce defeat in a believer. If we follow after the Word of God, these things will produce a whole new appreciation for Jesus. Mary and Martha, Faith for the Crisis, is an in-depth study of Mary and Martha. The lessons highlight the importance of the Word of God to our lives and teach us what we must do when faced with the troubles of this life. Message titles include A Great Woman of Faith, light in the darkness, when your whole world collapses. I only have eyes for you. To order Faith for the Crisis, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Theology Simplified is a practical guide to foundational biblical truth. Basic doctrines are not difficult, but easy to understand. They often become disguised as complicated or deep-sounding words, but the definitions are simple. Pastor Bob makes complex theological concepts clear and practical. Eight crucial doctrines are demystified. Redemption, justification, sanctification, reconciliation, predestination, election, propitiation, and glorification. These eight precepts, essential for all believers to understand, come to light as you read and arrive at a deeper understanding of the finished work of Jesus Christ. To order Theology Simplified, visit our website at bobyandian.com. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. Jesus has come to the house of Simon the leper, 
apparently a good-sized large house in Bethany. He didn't go to the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus this time. He went to this house, but they were there. And this is the time whenever Lazarus had been raised from the dead. And he's sitting there probably at the kitchen table and surrounded by people, people trying to get in from the outside to see him. He right there at that point was considered the celebrity. He'd been dead and people wanted to talk to him. Because why? What did you see when you were dead? What was it like to come back? What was it like to die? What was it like to come back? And they had all these questions for him. But again, Jesus was there. And the point of it is, is I want to point out to you too, those that attended was first of all, Lazarus. He ate with Jesus and he was fellowshipping around the table. Martha was serving and she was serving all the people that were there, the food that was there. There was a crowd and the crowd stood around talking to Lazarus and they were wondering at his miracles. And so again, but Mary came and here's the point, Mary came to worship. This whole story is about worship. This whole story is about the personality that Mary had. And with all the stuff happening around her, she was occupied with Jesus only. She only had eyes for him. There was so much activity going on in this house, but she looked past all of it and saw Jesus Christ. You know what? That's what we do in life. There's so much stuff going on around us. Not everything's bad. A lot of things are good going on around us, but you know what? Good isn't divine good. And we need to keep our eyes and attention on the Lord Jesus Christ. Set your affection, that your eyesight, look on things above and not on things of this earth. With all the good things happening right there in the house of Simon the leper in this house where Lazarus was and Martha was, the crowd was, was also Mary. But Mary came to worship. The rest of them didn't. Those who came there to see Lazarus sat down and ate with him, but their whole purpose was to fellowship with him. Lazarus ate with Jesus, but those who came came to see Lazarus and to fellowship with him. But understand something, fellowship is not worship. Fellowship is important. In fact, it's part of the Christian life. But I want you to notice of the four things that made the early church successful. Number one was they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That is fellowship with God. That's fellowship with Jesus. Even though Jesus isn't here, I fellowship with him primarily through his word. And the next thing was fellowship. First of all, again, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, next of all in fellowship, but fellowship is not worship. Fellowship's important. And when we come to church, it's wonderful to see people. But you know what? I've seen people walk through the door, sit down, have coffee with somebody in this big open area of the church. The service starts and they just keep talking and they somehow equate fellowship is worship. Fellowship is great. No, fellowship breaks the ice. We just come through the door. We see Bill and Mary and we see all these other friends around us. We start talking to them and we end up you know, drinking coffee into the praise and worship worship service, then the preaching begins, and then they go out to eat somewhere and sometimes don't even walk into the church service. You didn't come there to eat food. You came there to partake of the bread of life. And so one might introduce the other, but fellowship is not worship. The people ate with Jesus, first of all, then they went to see Lazarus and they stood around him and they fellowship with him, but fellowship is not worship. Next of all, Martha, she served, but service is not worship. A lot of people that work in the church service, you know, there was a time when I was uh, you know, preaching one day and I looked out there and I didn't see my praise and worship leaders. I thought, where where are they? I mean, they were just up here. And, and whenever I finished the sermon, they were right there to lead praise and worship. And I thought, where were they during the service? And so I asked my uh, associate pastor, next time church starts, I said, I want you to go around here and find out where they are. And I said, they're not in here. As soon as service begins, they're gone. 
and he went around looking for them. You know what he found? He found them fellowshipping together. And yet they worked in the service. And here was the point. When he found them sitting in a room, they were eating cookies and drinking coffee and fellowshipping with each other during the service while the preaching was going on. He said, what are you doing here? They said, well, you know, we did our part. No, you haven't done your part. Your part is to come and hear the word of God. Your part is not to sit with each other, have coffee and, and eat cookies together. That's not your part. He chewed them out. I went and found them later and chewed them out. And some of them quit the church over it. Why? Because what they thought was they were they were coming to do their part. We did our part. And now we don't have to come and hear the word of God. I brought you in and I put you up as praise and worship leaders because the word came first, your church attendance came first, and suddenly now your service has replaced it. And you think service is worship. It's not the same thing. Next of all, the crowd. They were standing around wondering at the miracle. Lazarus ate with Jesus, but fellowship is not worship. Martha served, but service is not worship. The crowd that was hanging around Lazarus were wondering at the miracle, and they looked at him and talked about the miracle, and Lazarus was alive because of a miracle, a sign and a wonder, but miracles, signs, and wonders are not worship. Mary saw the true celebrity in the room, and the true celebrity was Jesus. It wasn't Lazarus. Lazarus suddenly became a celebrity to everybody because of this astounding thing he did. And listen to me, you know, I think it's wonderful to see football players come and, get and accept Jesus as Savior. The head cheerleader accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. Some movie star accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. But we hang around them because, oh, look, they're a celebrity. No, the celebrity is Jesus Christ. And when we come to him. We are simply sinners coming and finding eternal life through Jesus Christ. He's the object of our worship. And Mary looked past everybody, came and she walked into the room. She had purchased a very expensive box of ointment and she poured it on his head. She poured it on his feet and began to rub it on his feet. And the fragrance filled the entire place. Mary came to worship. Mary had recovered and returned to fellowship between the last story and this one. Again, what made Mary great was not the fact she never failed. What made Mary great was when she failed, she recovered, stood back up and kept on going. You get knocked down from time to time, but the issue is you don't stay knocked down, you get back up. This is what again made David a man after God's own heart. David was not a man after God's own heart because he never sinned. No, he was a man after God's own heart because when he did sin, he got right back up and kept on going. He was quick to repent of his sins. The disciples even didn't understand his mission. Here in Matthew 16, verse 21 through 23, and here in John, when Jesus told his disciples that he would die, Peter rebuked him. In this story, the disciples didn't understand. And here we have the fact that the disciples join in with the crowd that says, why couldn't this have been sold for so much money and given to the poor? And Jesus is simply saying what she's doing is not for the poor. There's money to give to the poor, but the greatest things that we have belong to God because they came from God. He's the owner of everything. And so even the disciples didn't understand Jesus' mission. You know what this is saying? Mary knew more than the disciples all rolled together. Mary didn't complain and she didn't put this on Jesus' feet and then say, you know what? They're right, Jesus. I shouldn't have done this. I should have taken this and sold it and given it to the poor. No, Jesus accepted what she was doing as true worship and worship is costly. The disciples didn't understand his mission, but boy, did Mary. Lazarus sees Jesus as a teacher. Martha sees Jesus as a celebrity. The crowd see him as a miracle worker. The disciples see him as their leader, their boss. But Mary understands and sees him as the king and the redeemer, the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Mary's worship 
She brought in oil of spikenard. I think this is interesting. The most expensive burial oil. It was only used for kings. Lazarus was not anointed. Jesus would be anointed. And she did that. She didn't go over and anoint Lazarus for, for burial. And even when he came back from the dead, anoint him. No, she anointed Jesus because she understood something. She knew something. Jesus was about to go to the grave and be buried for her. But she also knew something else too. He would be resurrected. We'll get into that in just a moment. But again, this spikenard is the most expensive burial oil. Just this box that she bought cost a year's salary. So you imagine what you make. If you make $100,000 a year, $80,000 a year, more than that or less than that, understand putting all that into one box of ointment and then not using it for years to come, taking a little dab and putting it on, you know, you just dump it on somebody's feet in the middle of a room. The fragrance filled the entire room and the people that saw it and the people that smelled it, most of them immediately backed off and became critical of what she did instead of understanding what she did. I can tell you this, worshipers in our church that had been there for years, a lot of people didn't understand and criticized them because they talked about Jesus, they loved Jesus, he was the center of their life, and it really made a lot of people uncomfortable. The fragrance of their life would fill a room, and yet they were some of the most incredible people in the church that loved Jesus Christ, some of the best givers we had, the best workers in the church, but they didn't give to try to win anybody's attention. They didn't work to try to get the approval of people or of God. They did all this because they loved the Lord. Even their life itself was a fragrance that would fill a room. And so this cost again over one year's salary and then Mary anointed Jesus with it. She anointed his feet because that's what brought her salvation. Isaiah chapter 52 and verse seven, how lovely on the mountains are the feet of them that bring glad tidings of peace. And so Jesus here in this verse of scripture, again, had this poured over his feet. Next of all, she poured it over his head and on his body, which was broken for her. That body, which was broken for her, brought her healing and brought her salvation. And so again, the feet that brought her the new birth and she's accepted the Lord, also his body broken for her, for her healing. The box of ointment, the box represented Jesus' body. It was just a physical box, but it represented the fact that that treasure on the inside, that, that ointment on the inside that was so costly was inside of a natural box. And Jesus Christ came as the God-man. He had a physical human body on the outside, but his treasure on the inside was the fact he came from God and he was God. He was the God-man. Next of all, he was broken for us. And so this box was broken. That means he was crucified for us. And the ointment represents propitiation. God was satisfied. The word propitiation simply means satisfaction. And this happened on the mercy seat. In fact, the word propitiation means mercy seat. And on the mercy seat, this is where the blood of the sacrifice was finally sprinkled and God smelled it. In the Old Testament, he smelled. And what he smelled was the blood of bulls and goats. And he was temporarily appeased. But when Jesus Christ arose from the dead, God was eternally propitiated, satisfied once and for all. And no other sacrifice will ever have to be made. Mary's act was a memorial, lasting, still speaking to us today. Here we are 2,000 years later discussing what happened 2,000 years ago, and her life still speaks to us. No one knows what Martha cooked, but everybody knows what Mary worshiped Jesus with and how she broke an alabaster box over his feet. A worshiper is wise in the word. A worshiper is appreciative of what God has done and Jesus has done. A worshiper is a great giver. A worshiper doesn't care what other people think. A worshiper is criticized by others, but a worshiper is always remembered. 
Luke chapter 23, verse 55 and verse 56 says this, the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. And then they returned and prepared spices and ointments on the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandments. And so these women at the death of Jesus went in and poured this ointment over him, spices and ointments. They did it for his burial. But Mary was the one who not only had anointed Jesus before his burial and his resurrection, she saw both coming. She saw his burial and the resurrection. With her brother, she saw a resurrection when Lazarus came to life. But with Jesus, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The other women anointed him only for burial and for death, but Mary anointed Jesus also for resurrection. And this is how she received eternal life. Have a great day. We'll see you next time. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.